Welcome. Well, we're so excited to be here with Rabbi Noah. This is Jennifer Schillinger, and this is with Red River um, Scripture Circles podcast. We're really excited because we're going to start um, showcasing um, a word or a theme to go along with our newsletter that's going to be coming out every other month. And we're really excited this to start everything off with Hebrew. And I know as we're coming into the fall, I think a lot of people are um, thinking about themselves and transitions and making those transitions. And so I'm really excited about talking about what it is to be Hebrew, um, what the Israelites went through and how that could be applied to our lives. So thank you so much for joining us, Noah. Thank you, Jennifer. It is great being here. Thank you. So um, yes, the word Hebrew. So one of the things I think I think is helpful is starting to unpack the word Hebrew. Um, so when the King James translators first translate the Bible into English, they make the decision to transliterate, sound out the names of people and places, oftentimes from Hebrew to English. So as an example, Ivri or Avar in the Hebrew language is then translated into the word Hebrew that we see throughout our translation. So Avar or Ivri becomes Hebrew. And you can kind of hear Ivri Hebrew. That's just how it gets defined. One of the difficulties in doing that is or not difficult, but one of the complexities that that raises is that the word Hebrew literally also means something. It's not simply a noun that is solely referring to people group. It's a word that has layer and dimensionality to it. So the word Hebrew or Ivri um, in the language itself, and sorry, because it's saying Hebrew in the Hebrew language, I know it's kind of <laughs> back on itself. Um, so the word Hebrew in Hebrew literally means to cross over, to cross over. So um, one of the things that's helpful whenever studying any passage or any word throughout the text is to look at the very first usage of a word or very early usages of that word to see some of the original context that the word gets used in, which also helps to set forth their trajectory or how that word will move throughout the text. So the word Hebrew, in Hebrew, one of the earliest appearances of this word is in Genesis chapter 14, verse 13. So in Genesis chapter 14, verse 13, it says, a fugitive brought the news to Abram the Hebrew, or Abram the Ivri, who was dwelling at the terebinths of Mamre, the Amorite, and it goes on. Now, the word Hebrew here, literally to cross over. Now, by Genesis chapter 14, verse 13, Abram has Hebrewed or crossed over from outside of Canaan to inside of Canaan. Or one could also say, Abram has crossed over from outside of knowing God inside of knowing God. And so crossing over here isn't solely or singularly, well, crossing over here could be seen as being about what for Abram? Like physical relocation. Okay, very good, exactly. Physical relocation, good, good, good. And outside of knowing God, inside of knowing God could also be about Abram's what? His spiritual transformation. Okay, spiritual transformation. Whoa, that was a lot deeper than I was thinking. Okay, right? His spiritual transformation. So, yes, it can be physical relocation, literally crossing over from one land to another land. Also, as you said, spiritual transformation, crossing over, well, crossing over from outside of knowing God, crossing over to inside of knowing God. And in that sense, being a Hebrew is also about Abram's what? He has a what in this? He has a choice. Thank you. Exactly right, right? He's got a choice. Meaning, Hebrewing or crossing over is also a huge choice conversation, mm -hmm. right? I can choose to cross over. I can choose to physically relocate. I can choose to cross over into relationship with God. I could also choose not to relocate or not to cross over to knowing God or not 
into whatever God might be asking of me. And so this is where being a Hebrew, I want to suggest, isn't singularly or solely about a person's what. Not about their, I was just going to say, it has so much to do about their call or their decision than it is about who they are. Good. And it's also not about their... Their skin. Yeah, it's not like a heritage. I mean, it is partially that, but it's not exclusively. Thank you. Exactly. Like how I think the word gets thought of today that at times isn't the most helpful is that it's strictly like an ethnic group of people. And it's not to say it's not in the original concept of the word. It's not necessarily how it's thinking. Right. It's not or it's not strictly or solely talking that it's not. Oh, because my ancestors are Hebrews. Ergo, I'm Hebrew. That That's not necessarily how the word is strictly or solely thinking. Right. If I cross over into knowing God, I've Hebrewed. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that that's part of where this gets to be so much more multifaceted and, and as you said about the choices that we make. Okay, we'll get into a little bit more of where we see examples of why that makes so much sense in the text um, in a moment, but just for a moment longer here, Hebrew crossing over and the choices that we make. So another thing that's helpful, I think, in thinking about the word Hebrew is person, place, thing. All those things are what? Static. They're nouns. They're Right, they're static, they're nouns. Unflinching, unmoving, unfeeling, unchanging, because they're static nouns. The word Hebrew, though, to cross over is actually what? Grammatically, part of speech-wise. A verb. A verb, exactly right. It is a verb, right? And that makes this into a whole nother angle of conversation, that it's a verb. I continue to cross over. If we think kind of big picture macro for a moment, the children of Israel, when they leave Egypt, in order to go into the wilderness, they literally have to do what? Leave. Leave and? Cross over. Right, they literally got to cross over. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, the Red Sea. No, I was just going to They literally got to over the Red Sea. Exactly right. So they literally cross over. they literally Hebrew. And we can see kind of big picture how that works. Okay. And then in Numbers 13 and 14, we're roughly within the second year of our time in the wilderness. And they're being asked to do what? Again. To cross over. To cross over. This time, the what? The Jordan? Exactly. Yes, exactly. Bible trip, man, right? Cross over the Jordan River. And they're being asked to cross over the Jordan River to go into the promised land. Okay. So, I mean, we're going to be asked usually to cross over multiple times. It's it's not just a one and done. Like, well, I crossed over leaving Egypt into going to the wilderness. Ergo, I've crossed over. I'm a Hebrew and it's all finished. That's nowning. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's nowning. And one of the things that... um. I think is so very different about scripture is it's a Hebrew is a wildly verbing language. Um, English, even just in how we construct sentences, usually the subject comes before the action of the sentence. In Hebrew, the, the action all, very often precedes the subject. And so it, it's a very much a verbing action oriented language. And, and it's fascinating how that gets drawn out then when we talk about things like, oh, Hebrewing, crossing over. It's a verb. It's not a noun. Even though in English, it's, as a part of speech, clearly a noun, right? Abram the Hebrew. He's Abram the crossed over guy. But Abram the crossover You know, it's, it's, it's a verb. Crossover-er. Um, it's a very... And, and how to kind of capture that movement in the text. Um, I think is one of the, the really difficult things about Hebrew because it's so often thought of as noun, person. It, it's, it's a heritage. It's, it's, it's strictly an ethnicity. It, it, that's, that's all it is. And you're either in or you're out. And yet this, as you said, has so much to do with transformation. Could you say a bit more what you were thinking about in the spiritual transformation piece with crossing over? I think it's that idea of choice. You know, if I um, 
and then crossing over from not knowing God into knowing God. I think that um, there's a transformation that happens in just being close to and connected with the living God, the ever-present and eternal um, verbing God, <laughs> doing God, living God. Um, so I think that there's some transformation that happens just in being connection there. But I think that we're also transformed in the continual decision. Like I think about um, like that choice of obedience, that repeated choice, that with every one of those choices of faith, um, a choice of crossing over every single time that um, a little we become a little bit more transformed by that because uh, I think that walking in obedience and walking closely with the Lord, uh, it, it can only change you. I love to say that, you know, one of the verses that came to mind was the continual renewal of the mind, right? Mm-hmm. You know, verses like that where it's, it, it's a, we get these big picture crossing overs, the Red Sea, the Jordan River. It's kind of easy to say, and, and the word is used there in Exodus 14 in the book of Joshua. And we're talking about crossing over the Red Sea and crossing over the Jordan River. And they're big, you know, we can, they make for really good paintings on walls and really nice picture books for kids to read. And, and yes, they are. And the crossing over that happens on the daily. Right. Right, you know, the crossing over in the decision of I'm driving down the road and someone just cut me off in traffic. And, OK, I could have one response in this moment that might make me in the very moment feel a lot better and be cathartic or, you know, release some tension or anger I'm feeling. OK, and what does it mean to cross over in that moment into maybe having a different response and maybe thinking about why might this person be in such a hurry or what might be going, you know, and and I don't want to make each moment a. And yet I don't want to miss that there's so many opportunities to cross over regularly on the daily. Yeah, like embracing the love of God in, in those moments. You know, that's part of that spiritual transformation is like, do I choose to be more aligned with him and his spirit? Or do I just choose to be a little bit more aligned with the word and maybe with what's comfortable or what I've known? Yeah. And I love what you said, too, about how it, it it is big decisions. Like it is like the the moment at the Red Sea where you just are like having to rely on God because you just it's death if you don't in that moment from from the Egyptians and it is the small moments of like am I going to pack up my tent every time that the the fire and the pillar of, of um, cloud move like <laughs> am I going to choose to continue to follow um, and continue to cross over even in the small everyday things exactly because I think that's what gets to be so hard is so much of our scripture we were given these incredibly large big moments Mm -hmm. and we're not always getting the so-and-so forgot to take out the trash and i'm annoyed you know and or this person um didn't make dinner they included something that they know i'm allergic to and yet they made it anyway even though i've known this person for 18 years and how could they make this which they know i'm allergic to that ingredient the the daily experiences that we can cross over because there are these incredibly large and they are so important and pivotal and vital and they're happening every day. Mm-hmm. They're happening all the time. And as you said, continually be with that spirit that God has in that us. Okay, how do I cross over with that? Yeah. And I love, I think, what you're alluding to. Maybe we're, this is where we're going. But um, I think the ever-inclusivity of what it is to that, to have Hebrew be a part of a choice and a relationship with God and not just about ethnicity and, and background I think sometimes when we read the stories of the Bible, I read them and I go, what it is to be part of God's chosen people. Um, And yet, how often do we see people grafted in because of some of the choices that they make over time, you know, and that there's still opportunity to become a Hebrew 
you know, even like, you know, when we look at um, some of the Egyptians that left with the Hebrews, like with the Israelites, that when they became Hebrews, as they crossed over the Red Sea, that there were Egyptians that probably left too. They said a mixed multitude. Exactly. That even in that choice to, to recognize the one and living God and to make that choice to follow, that they were then grafted into the Hebrews. Or, um, I mean, there's just time and time again, there's so many great um, images of that. And so... I love that um, that work, that invitation. There's still that invitation that if you choose God, that He will choose you back, and that you can be grafted in. That is so right. That Exodus chapter twelve verse thirty-eight: a mixed multitude left Egypt, and as you said, there's probably therefore going to be some Egyptians and some other people groups. Egypt is the greatest civilization on planet Earth at the time of Exodus, right? So. It's not simply descendants of Jacob slash Israel leaving Egypt. Mm -hmm. And as you said, all those people who, who from whatever background, whatever ancestors, wherever part of the world they came from, if they chose to leave Egypt, if they're part of that mixed multitude in Exodus 12, verse 38, when they cross over the Red Sea in Exodus 14 and 15, does it ever again say a mixed multitude or some descendants of Jacob, Israel, and some other people groups left Egypt? Does it ever say that again? No, right? It refers to the people as Israelites, children of Israel, or as Hebrews. Mm -hmm. You know, so here we are. You crossed over. Oh, you're a crossover, or, 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 right? It's it's. <laughs> you're included. <laughs> exactly. It's not just saying. Oh, sorry. Were you a descendant of Abram back in Genesis chapter fourteen, verse thirteen? Mm, sorry, if not, uh, really, I, I apologize profusely, but you can't you can't be counted as. A, no, it's not thinking. That's not how the text is wording this at all. It's not how scripture is thinking or talking. You know, the continual grafting in nature. I think sometimes it's so easy to miss some of the people that we see throughout the text. Um, Rahab, you know, in Joshua chapter 2, uh, living in Canaan, referred to as a, depending on translations, usually a harlot or a prostitute. And she is most certainly joins the tribes. Uh, she is most certainly becomes a Hebrew Israelite. Ruth, uh, another very prominent person in the text, who's a Moabitess. Um, Certainly not a descendant of Abram. Um, Lot, very, Lot is not Abram's son, even if you might want him to be in Genesis 12, he ain't, right? So again, this idea that it has to be from this specific, or if you're not in this, ugh, better luck next time, you know, or sorry, yeah, not a lot. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the, as you kind of said, the, the inclusive nature of that, oh, if I choose to cross over in relationship with God, to recognize God, to follow God, uh, I'm a Hebrew. And I love, too, that um, within that, it's it's wildly individual and wildly communal. In that, in this first instance, you were talking about Abram being mentioned as a Hebrew. That was like an individual choice, even though his, you know, his wife came with him and Lot came with him, which is like, could or should or we're not of or whatever. But it was it was about that individual relationship and that choice. And then also when you look at the um, Israelites that, you know, when they crossed the Red Sea, those Hebrews, that was communal. It was a communal exodus that happened and it was a communal crossing over that happened. Um, and I think that that's such a great question, too, I think, for us to be thinking about is as individuals, like, in what ways am I being called to Hebrew? But also, like, in the communities that I'm part of, how are we being invited to cross over? Jennifer, yeah, right. That is... And what happens when sometimes those two feel like they might be a conflict mm -hmm. or, or they're not entirely aligned? Because the, there are those absolutely, right, the personal crossing overs that we're 100% being invited to in the communal. And I think Numbers 13 and 14, when they have the chance to go into the promised land, is, is like a beautiful example of that dynamic where Joshua and Caleb, you know, they send in 12 scouts to Joshua and Caleb say, we can do this. 
The rest of the 10 say no, and the community listens to the other 10 scouts and not Joshua and Caleb. So personally, they know. And, and, and Joshua and Caleb are 100% spot on. They could go in, except that the whole community is not there. So it's going to be another 38 and a half years or so, give or take, until we can go in. And, and the difficulty of that of that decision where sometimes, personally, I can see the communal crossing over that's needed. And if the community is not ready, sometimes, okay, we're going to wait. And then I think the difficulty is other times, uh, we see examples in the text, I think, particularly with prophets, where the prophet has to cross over and the community might not be there and the prophet's just got to keep going. And the prophet's trying to help the community and yet it's, prophet's not getting entirely well of the community. So it's this incredible um, holding of the both of that, of the personal and the communal. And sometimes it really has to be a communal crossing over. And other times the community isn't there and there goes the person. Um, and that's, mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, an, an inverse of that Jonah is almost like the inverse of Joshua and Caleb, right? Where right. where Jonah is given um, this opportunity to cross over that the whole community is going to be left behind and actually be of his community is going to be destroyed by and yet is the crossing over he needs to do and and so even to make it just because i think one of the quick things that tends to happen is crossing over is great we should all cross over we all have to cross over all the time and then some people say okay well if my community isn't able to cross over then i can't and makes that a rule it's like well sometimes yes but sometimes even if the community can't i still yeah i'm still supposed to and then other times i see the crossing needs to happen but the community can't and if they can't well, then sometimes I just can't. And, and so it, there's not a hard and fast set rule of, oh, here's the crossing over God's inviting I slash us into. Mm-hmm. Therefore, this is the thing I have to do. You know, it, it can be so context situational specific into what's actually being asked. Sure. What I think is like the beautiful nature of God. That's one thing that I love about his word is that I feel like if it would, it was such a straightforward rule book where it was just like this, then this, then this always that it really takes the relationship out, that discerning spirit of needing to connect with the Lord and really being in tune with his heart and what he's really doing in this season, in this moment. And the timing is so often so important in that. So I almost, I think sometimes people find that so frustrating when they're like, oh, why can't I just be like this one thing? It's always this one thing. So I just know that if the community can't go, then I can't go. Or if I, you know, or that even if the community doesn't go, then I'm supposed to go. Like, why can't it just always do one thing? And I think it's because, like, we want to just rely on certainty and knowing and on rules and guidelines and less less on the dynamic relationship of what it is to seek first the kingdom of God and to seek after him and then and to just be okay with the fact that it's not always going to be the same and that we don't always understand it as as that, as like the certainty of just always knowing and having a rule book. If it was a rule book, I think it'd be a lot shorter, right? It would, yeah. It's, it's... Also be a little bit, I, I think it would be, there'd be less grace in it. Oh, right. <laughs> and that's why I love as you said, the dynamic relationship. And uh, yeah, I just thought you said that so, so well. That was so well said because it, the tendency of the comfort of, okay, if this, if ABC, then I know to do um, DEF. And it's just not, that simply straightforward. And that I think is one of the real beauties of crossing over is the crossing overs are being asked to do could be so wildly different. Uh, you know, God might be um, inviting one person to really cross over into becoming a teacher. 
And that's really where God's inviting them to cross over into, that they've really been called to teach. And another person might really be calling a person to cross over into exploring their family history and to really digging into where one came from and what brought them to this moment in time and what have been the cultural, the familial, the communal context that helped to form how people made decisions and how processes and systems were formed. Those are two very different things. And in one sense, maybe on the surface looking in very different directions, because one might say, oh, well, you're crossing over into your future. This other person's digging into their past. And yet I would really say, well, they're both crossing over as God's inviting them to. Mm-hmm. Is that not in the direction of crossing over into a relationship with God? And, and so I think we can even sometimes look at people's crossing overs and go, well, I want that crossover. That other one over there doesn't look so attractive or appealing. That 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 crossing over looks hard. You know, I, I think mostly on the surface, most people would say, you know, I think I would take the crossing over um, from the wilderness to the promised land, because the promised land generally, like that sounds really nice, the land of both milk and honey. But that whole um, Egypt to wilderness promised land, that sounds kind of hard because the wilderness, uh, you know, after quail, it's just manna all the time and water from a rock. And I don't know that that one sounds as appealing or attractive. And it's, mm-hmm. it's like, well, where is God inviting us to cross over into? And wherever that may be, it is. Yeah. Um, and that every, every season has its purpose, too, in yeah. that, like, where, you know, it even says that. Um, God could have taken them a shorter route, um, but he chose not to because he didn't want them to turn back. And I think it's probably because they needed a little bit of the wilderness in order to be able to be ready and prepared for the promised land. And and I think that's part of it is like, what are we being invited to? And I, and I think that's, um, even with the Hebrew, it's like, we're not always certain about where we're stepping into. Like, what are we being invited into? Sometimes we're just given as much as the next instruction. We don't necessarily know what that what's going to transpire after that. Like, the people who had been living in Egypt for 400 years had no idea what it was to live away from that land and that way of life. They didn't know what they were going to be crossing over into. They knew that the promise of the future, they knew the promise of the promised land, um, but they didn't know what was going to happen in the interim. But it's like, can we trust enough that God will be faithful in the process and not just in the destination? And, and I think you pointed to this too, the generational nature is what I heard mm-hmm. in what you were saying too of crossing over, which is right, you know, here's a Brahm doing it as a person and the generational implications of that decision. Mm-hmm. And yet there's certain things God says right, in, in Genesis chapter um, 12, verse 2. Well, Genesis 12, 1, you know, right, the Lord says to Abram, go forth from your native land, your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will cause you to see. And then in verse 2, and I will make of you a great, big, large nation. Right, you know, a great big large nation. The word there is gadol in Hebrew in Genesis twelve verse two, and that gadol really usually translated as great also means big and large, and so a great big large nation. But as Abram, on one level, you know, doesn't necessarily get to hug and kiss a great big large nation of people as he lives and breathes and walks the earth, and I think that gets to be very hard because here's a promise that God's given him to see on some level and. It seems like God even gives him a vision of it in Genesis chapter 15, where, you know, the look up at the stars, if you can number them, so shall your offspring be, and your descendants will be slaved. It says later on, your descendants will be slaved in a land not theirs for 400 years, but then I'll execute judgment on that people and take them out. And it seems like, on one level, Abraham sees it, and yet he doesn't get to hug Joseph. He he, he doesn't necessarily need Israel. He he doesn't see the, the 70 go down to Egypt, to, you know, in Exodus, in the beginning of late Genesis, early Exodus. He, he doesn't gets to necessarily see all that. And so sometimes the Hebrewing that God's inviting us to and that we're being asked to join in can be generational. And it might not just be a Hebrewing for me now, but a Hebrewing I am to start that someone else might get to take the next step in. 
right. in that sense it's such a poor right, uh, example but almost like a relay mm-hmm. you know of okay there's a part that i'm being asked to and we'll see where we get in my lifetime and then there's the next part right and can we be okay with the faithful leg that we're supposed to run you know instead of wanting to get to cross the finish line and get the celebration of finishing and the applause and the, you know, I think so many of us are so excited about the destination that it's sometimes if we, if we knew that we're just being called to start something that we're just starting um, something that someone else will get to finish, like, can we be faithful in that and what we're being called into for crossing over that we're called into? Exactly. And that's where I think the personal the communal sometimes still gets can be stuck in, in how I think in the temporal and that it misses the generational totally. that the personal and communal yes is happening now and generational mm-hmm. and, and that I think is one of the more difficult things to try to, to really reconcile with is the things that are transpiring and happening that just are way before me and long after me and that can be a bit more difficult I think you know as you said I might not see the fruit of what I'm planting mm-hmm. I might not even get close to seeing it even come out of the ground and yet, I'm being asked to sow, mm-hmm. and I'm being asked to cast seed. Yeah. But I think the promise, too, of like, if we do that well, that there could be generational fruit. Oh, you know, yeah. that we could be doing something that has such such lasting and important impact. Um, that if we were to try to see it all come to pass in our time, that we would be limiting the potential of what is really being done, you know, that that are being sowed in patience and in God's timing. Which is why we have to go back to being faithful and asking the Lord, what is it that you're calling me to cross over into now? And even though I think sometimes, I love that, you know, the Lord is a light lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I, I love it. Sometimes I've heard people say that. Sometimes he's a, a lamp to my feet. Sometimes he's a light to my path. Or sometimes I only see as much as the next step. And sometimes mm. I can see a little bit further. Like I can see the path. Sometimes I can only see like the lamp to my feet. Like I can just see as much as not to trip for the next step. But, um, and sometimes that has to do with his timing and also in our own um, natural inclinations. Like sometimes I say, I don't think God gives me as much because I'm such a, like a runner that I, I think sometimes I want to, I want to be trusted enough to be able to see the whole path. And to not run after that and just be faithful in the next step and the timing that God is on us. Um, but sometimes he doesn't show us all the way because it, it might elicit too much fear. Like, oh my gosh, you have all of that planned? Like, I just can't even do that. And so then I'm afraid to take that one next step. And so sometimes we just don't know um, the wisdom of the Lord and how it's at play. Um, but like in, in where he's calling us, like, how can we be faithful? And cross over. And I love that, you know, within that, though, that we all have choice. We all have that choice to Hebrew, that it's not just um, a certain people that's called to do that, but that we're all invited. And I think that's one of the things that I find so exciting about the word itself is the choice involved in the matter and and that God gives us that choice and, and the continual nature of that choice, that it's, okay, maybe there's... And, and I think there's, for so many of us, the first time that I cross over in that relationship with God, and it's this huge moment, and it's, the light is there, and it's bright, and it's loud, and, or maybe it's quiet, depending on how one's wired, right? But it, it's this huge moment that I'll never forget. And then there's the next day I wake up, and the next day, and the next day. And, okay, and how do I continue to cross over, and how I continue to build relationship with God, and it growing deeper, and 
continuing to figure out more of where I'm being led towards and what's next and 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 how this helps me to understand maybe where I've been it, it, and the the continual nature of crossing over I think is so exciting in that choice dynamic um, and then those moments where God kind of says okay you can cross over here's a bunch of choices what do you want or you know you actually have multiple choices here there you go how do you want to cross over uh, where do you want to go and the, the unbelievable freedom in that and the gift of that is, yeah. And and as you said, not just for one group of people or a, well, we did your uh, DNA test on 23andMe or whatever the, the DNA thing is. You know, it's, and it says you are XYZ percent Hebrew. It's like, that's uh, not entirely. That's not what it's about. It's not <laughs> not really catching the drift of where the word is. Yeah. You know, I've also been, I think recently in some conversations with people that have just been so afraid of missing it. Like, yeah. what if God had spoken something to me and I didn't hear it? Or what if I was called when I was confused or I just wasn't listening enough and that I've just completely missed that opportunity to cross over? And um, I love also the redemptive nature of God. And that even when you think about the Israelites, Hebrews, as they were coming to the Jordan and they sent in the 12 spies and 10 of them came back with a poor report and they decided not to go in like got for their entire people, even though, yes, there was a generational passing that ended up happening as part of that as a promise overall to the people. He didn't say, well, you messed up this time. So actually, there's not going to be another opportunity to cross over into the promised land like that was your one and done and you missed it. And so no more do you get to cross over to the promised land. But then instead, he just he took them into this relationship of dependence for such a long season where they grew in their faith. And there were so many things that I think were learned and shifted in that community over that time that they spent in the wilderness, that when they came again to that opportunity of Hebrewing, of crossing over, that they were prepared and that they did it successfully crossing over the Jordan. And I think that that, that to me speaks hope because, um, I know in the redemptive nature of God that even in those moments where maybe because he's called me to do things before where I've been super faithful. And then he's also called me sometimes and I've been a little reluctant and I don't I don't want to miss out on what the Lord is doing because living in that dynamic relationship with him is always exciting and it's always um, fruitful and, and grace filled. But also I love the redemptive nature of God where I know that if I miss one opportunity that I haven't missed that relationship with him. Like I just, I have to take, I have to say yes to the next opportunity to Hebrew, you know, and that I have another opportunity to step and cross over into his purpose and into that relationship and to deepening that relationship with him. Um, it's been great exploring the word Hebrew. No, thank you so much for spending this time talking about Hebrew and um, just sharing about like the richness of the word of God and how um, we can really apply that to our lives, not only as individuals and as a community. And I just encourage everyone who's listening to the podcast to consider that, like, what is it the Lord that is inviting you to Hebrew in as an individual, but maybe also the communities that you're part of? Like, how is that community being called to cross over into a deeper relationship with the Lord? Thanks so much. We hope to catch you next time. Thank you. Great to be here. <laughs>